0: Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Let's dive into the Word. Put this stuff down here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for, as Nikki prayed, for the life of Mr. X. Thank you that you grabbed him, that you held tight to him, and he's held tight to you, God. Father, we want to pray that we'll be like that that we will live our days honoring you, pleasing you, and that we will be people of faith, people who are faithful, which is our theme for 2023, faithful. And God, I want to pray that as we come to your word now, that you would remind me of what I prepared, that you would open our hearts up and ears up to hear from you. And God, I pray that you would use this message for your glory and your purpose, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to welcome those online. If you're here with us, it's a privilege to have you. We're going to um, look at the life of John the Baptist today. At the end of the last year, I um, was in a series entitled Roadblocks to Freedom, and, and, and we looked through some roadblocks. And leading up to Vision Sunday, which is, I think it's about the 12th of February this year here, I, I, I want to bring two more messages around, what are some of the roadblocks that hold us back from living in the freedom and purpose that, that our Jesus has for our lives? And the uh, roadblock. Oh, I need my clicker. Shall I out my clicker? And the uh, roadblock that I want us to um, look at today, click for me, Deb, is is making it about you. When we make life about us rather than God, and rather than about others, when we make it about us, when we make it about you. It becomes a massive roadblock in our lives. Now. I, I like to start our messages with some sort of story, and I've heard this back, you guys like the story, some sort of um, story, incident that happened in my life that relates to this topic. Thank you, Pari. Bless you, mate. And, 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 and on this one, I got stuck. I was like, oh man, um, what am I going to do for this message? So as I do when I get stuck is I uh, go to my wife, Michelle, and I say, Michelle, I'm stuck for the beginning of my message. And so this is what I said to her, and I wrote it down because it's pretty good, the words. Here we go. I said, hey, Shell, I need help beginning a message again. I need a story where, I've, where I have been the center of attention when I made it about me. And she responded, when have you not been the center of attention? <laughs> <laughs> nice one. And everyone laughed. But then... But then she had another thought, and she said, I wrote it down again, you are normally the center of attention, but I don't think you make it about you, you make it about others. And I think that's mostly true. That's true. Because although I'm, because a pastor and I'm loud and in the life and all that, I do get attention, but I actually want to add value to others, and I really don't want to make it about me most of the time. But sometimes, in reflection, I think I do want to make it about me, and I wrote down some thoughts. I reckon sometimes I want, to be compliment, I want to be complimented. I want to be recognized. I want to be seen. I want people to know what I have accomplished. And, and uh, when I do that, I'm actually making it about me rather than God and the people around me. And I reckon that most of us have this desire within us, maybe even all of us, have this desire within us to be the center of attention, to to uh, make it about us. Maybe we want people to notice us or we do things so that people will think we're great or we put the desires of self above loving God and loving others. And when we do that, we're actually making it about us. Now, this making it about us can also look the opposite of being the center of attention. Because if you are allowing fear to hold you back from doing the thing that God wants you to do, well then, you're also making it about you. If if, if you're allowing fear to hold you back from sharing your faith, well then you're making it about you rather than them and God. If you're allowing fear to hold you back from asking for forgiveness, well again, you're making it about you. If you're allowing fear to hold you back from praying out loud, if you're in a small group, well, then you're making it about you. If you've got a singing gift and you're too scared to get on the platform because of fear, again, you are making it about you. Is this true? Or maybe you can't be bothered. You can't be bothered in sharing your faith. You can't be bothered in playing your part. You can't be bothered in turning up. And when you can't be bothered, again, you are making it about You, it's about you, being the center of attention for the for the for the rewards of people noticing and the pats on the back, or doing nothing and hiding and being in the background because of fear of what people might think, or going oh whatever I can't be bothered doing that. You're actually making it about you, and when you make it about you, you're not making it about God. You're not making it about others, and therefore that holds you back. It's a roadblock for you to live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has. For your life. Hmm. Getting some interesting looks today. Are we just, compl- did we just thinking about what Nathan's saying? Is that what you're doing? Hmm? Are we going, amen, brother? Or is that just fully challenging and you go, oh, wow, you touched the nerve today. Touched, touched the nerve today. Amen. I pray that touches the nerve. Today I want us to look at someone who is one of the most significant and influential figures in history and influential figures of their time. This guy had the fame, he had the followers, he had the influence, he had the people taking notice of what he said. And imagine this, and doing the things he said. Imagine if a preacher had that, a preacher had people taking notice of what he said, and then doing the things he said. That would be incredible. I could just, I can only imagine that. That was tongue in cheek, everyone. And yet, he, this guy, was the center of attention. But he recognised that it wasn't about him. Who am I speaking about? John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a hugely significant man at the time. People were coming to him. He had an influence. He had huge significance. People were following his preaching about repentance. And then people were getting baptized. Everyone knew about him. The religious leaders knew about him. So they they came and checked out what he did. The, the, The city officials, the king, found out about him and what he was saying about him taking his brother's wife and John the Baptist spoke out negatively about that and as a result he was chucked in prison and then executed he was a super well-known influential figure and yeah he didn't make it about him he made it about others you know as a super influential figure you can go you know what i am good i have got influence people are taking notice i am used by god man i am good or you can go, you know what? I am used by God. Man, God, thank you for using me. I can communicate really well. God, I thank you for that gift in my life. God, I'm being used by you. What a privilege. Thank you for that. It's a different attitude. One is, look at me, look at me. The other one is, God, thank you for what you've done. I'm here for you, and I'm here for others. I want to take you to the beginning of Luke's gospel today. In... um. In Luke's gospel, we, we, we have the birth of two babies. The our birth of Jesus is in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel only. But in Luke's gospel, we have the birth of two babies, John the Baptist and Jesus. And before we read about Jesus in Luke chapter 2, in Luke chapter 1, we learn about the birth of John the Baptist. And just like Jesus, a miraculous conception birth, we have the same sort of thing. We have Zacharias, who is a priest, and his his group, and he was called to be the uh, priest, the, the high priest at the time, to go in and offer the sacri- Excuse me, the sacrifices at the temple. And he had a wife named Elizabeth, and they were both older. They both wanted children, but couldn't have them. And they prayed to God, God, we want kids. We want kids. And in that time, when Zachariah goes into the temple to do the worship of God, the sacrifices, all that, an angel appears to him and speaks to him and says, You are going to have a baby, and this baby is going to be incredible. What I want to do is read to you seven verses from Luke chapter 1, and what I want you to notice is how the angel describes this baby who's not even born yet. So imagine you're going about your your duty, you're you're coming to church, and you're doing your thing in church, You're, you're married, you're a bit older, you haven't had kids, and you desperately want kids. And then this angel turns up and says, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be incredible. Let me tell you about what, you, what this kid's going to be like. This is the context. Here it is. Luke 1, 11, 11, 11, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Fair enough. Has anyone seen an angel before? I've never seen an angel but if you have, I reckon that's a, bit, a bit, pretty confronting. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Praise God. God hears our prayers. Your, life, your, your, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. Amen. For the, who wants that for their children? Our children to be a joy and a delight for you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born." Come on. "...he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God." That's, that's his message of repentance. Repentance is you're heading away from God, you repent, you do a 180, and you head towards God. "...he will bring many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord." He will go before the Lord, before Jesus comes. Not that Zachariah knew what that meant, I don't think. Before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, this is an important piece. In the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the heart of the parents, to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, there is a reference there to Elijah. Who was Elijah? Well, Elijah lived from um, seven... um, Sorry... He prophesied, from he ministered 875 to 848 BC. You can read about him in 1 Kings mainly, 1 Kings 17, 18 and 19. And he was a prophet to the northern king of Israel. And his message was, repent, turn back to God. And he has these incredible moments where he's fed by ravens. And then he has the Mount Carmel experience, where the prophets of Baal are doing their dancing and cutting themselves and trying to get This altar to be lit up by their demonic stuff. And then um, Elijah says, Pour pour water on the sacrifice, and the fire of God comes and consumes. You know that story? Yeah, that's Elijah. And his message to Israel was, Repent, turn back. And then in the last book of the Bible, Malachi, 400 years before Jesus, Malachi says, Elijah's going to come before the day. And Jesus says that John the Baptist is the Elijah to come. Now, that didn't mean Elijah came back from the dead. It doesn't mean that. But what it means is that John the Baptist carried the message and purpose of Elijah to get people repenting and turning back to the Lord. Is that clear? Clear, good. And then the last verse is, that's it, verse 17, that's the last verse. And as we look at John the Baptist's life, this is is what we see. We see him not taking wine. We see him dressing up in weird clothes and eating weird food and preaching this message of repentance. Hugely influential. Jesus says, he's the, he the, he the Elijah to come, the one who is to come before the Lord. And Jesus makes this declaration about him. He says, There has been no one, there has been no one before him greater than this man. He is the greatest man that's ever lived because he is the why? Because he's the one who prophesies and says. He's the one, the one who takes away the sin of the world, pointing at Jesus at his baptism. John the Baptist, Jesus says, the greatest man who ever lived. Now, put yourself in John's shoes. You are a celebrity. You are an influencer. You're all over Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, and you've got gazillions of followers, millions and millions of... Who's got the most number of followers on the planet? Who knows that? It's he... You're like him. Everyone knows Jesus. Of course, Jesus does. Good word, Nikki. Is that what you said, Jesus? Oh, who cares? But Jesus is the right answer. He's got the most number of followers, right? John the Baptist was so influential, everyone was coming to him. And I reckon it would have been easy for John to slip into, look at me. It would have been easy for John to make it all about him. Look at my influence. Look at what I've done. God, you must be really proud of me because I have done all these things. But John the Baptist doesn't make it about him. In uh, John chapter 3, Jesus starts his ministry, and Jesus' disciples are starting to baptize. And John's disciples notice this, and I reckon they're thinking, "Uh, John, we've got a bit of competition here. There's this other teacher guy and his disciples, and they're baptizing. Uh, What do we do about this? Look at what it says in John 3, verse 26, 10 verses here. They came to John and said, John's disciples, and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you, Jesus, on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing, and everyone is now going to him. I can imagine those disciples were thinking, this is about us. We're baptizing, we're influential, now we're losing our influence it's no longer going to be about us. That's what I think the disciples were thinking. To this, John replied A person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, and he's full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it's now complete. Here it is, he must become greater, I must become, what's the word? Let's all read that together. He must become greater, I must become less. Who is he then? Who is he? Jesus. Jesus must become greater, I must become less, 31. The one who comes from above, Jesus, the one is Jesus, is above all. The one who's from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. That's us, me, John. The one who comes from heaven, Jesus, is above all. He testifies to what he's seen because he's from heaven, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God gives a spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. That is John the Baptist speaking. John had all the followers and all the influence, and yet this other guy, this other, this other person, this other rabbi, Jesus, has risen up. And he's taken the spotlight off John, and he's taken the influence and the crowds. And John said, you know what, that is totally appropriate that is totally right because, verse 30, he must become greater, I must become less. John the Baptist knew that it wasn't about him. And friends, we must not make life about us. We should make life about God and about others. How do we make it about us? Well, we make it about us when we put our agenda above God's agenda for our lives. We put our agenda above God's agenda for our lives. When we elevate our will, our desires, above God's will and God's desires for our lives, that's when it becomes about us. Let me get really specific and see if you can relate to any of this stuff. What does this look like lived out? And this is where we're going to finish. This is what it looks like to fulfill your agenda rather than God's. Where we don't share Jesus with someone, we don't invite people to do foundations with them, because we're concerned they might reject us. That's fear, and that's about you, not about God. True or false? We choose to sin even when we know it's against God's will. Is that making it about us? Yes. Yes. We choose not to give as God tells us to give, our time, our finances, our tithe, even when his word says that we should do it. When we don't back ourselves. You know, one of the best bits of advice I was given by a guy named Craig Farmer, he said, Nathan, back yourself, meaning know what God has put in your life. Know your gifts, know your passion, know your lane, and then go after it. Don't hold back. Don't doubt what God's put in you. Know what he's put in you, then step into it and be the person who God's called you to be. Back yourself. When you don't back yourself, when you don't step out, when you don't fulfill the calling God has for your life, you know what? You're making it about your agenda rather than God's agenda. Here's another one. We make it about us when we don't put ourselves around Christians who can encourage us, speak life into us, and hold us accountable. We're a Christian, but we're an island when we're on our own. God never designed us to be on our own. He died so that we would be a church, a gathering, a body that we would be encouraged, taught, built up, held accountable, and live a life that's being transformed into his likeness. We make it about us when we're on our own. We make it about him when we gather in community and be with each other, and to be held accountable and encourage each other. We make it about us when we take credit for our performance rather than recognizing God is the source of all that we have. Man, I'm a great preacher. I am so good. Average preacher. Man, I'm an average preacher. I'm pretty average. Or I could say, you know what? God has given me this gift and I'm going to use it and I'm going to be the best preacher I can be. I I, uh, sing and play guitar pretty well you know, I'm not brewing it, I'm all right. And aren't I good? No, no, God, you've given me this gift, so I'm going to use it for your purpose. You talk to Rosie Toland, who's currently on holidays, and you want someone who can love on you and can be compassionate. I mean, you talk to Rosie Toland and she can go around and say, man, I am the most caring and loving person you know. Or she can say, man, God has built me with care and love for others. When we take the credit, when we see what we've got and we think we're awesome, that's making it about us rather than recognizing where it comes from. Here's another one. We recognize it it's about us when God's word says to forgive others and we choose to hold unforgiveness in our hearts towards another person. That's when we make it about us. When God asks us to do something and we don't do it, we are putting our agenda above God's agenda for our us. I want you to take 30 seconds, turn to the person next to you. What's another example where we make it about us, rather than making it about God and making it about others? Take 30 seconds, talk to maybe 15 seconds, talk to the person next to you, and then I want you to yell them out to me. What are they? Go for it. Alright, what do you got? When do we make it about us rather than God? Give us another example. Another example, go. What do you got? Come on. When you don't share Jesus with other people, you make it about you. Good, what else? My life's about my feelings, yes, rather than being obedient to His Word. What else? my time is my time actually my time is God's time how do you want me to use the time God there is a time to rest there is a time to rest and recharge and there's a time to give and serve and work there is a time for everything what else Margaret? Making, always making excuses for things you're making it about you what else two more Big voice, huh? where you justify your actions when you know it's not right and you justify it anyway. That's making it about you. Good, one more. When you say, that's too hard, God, I can't do it. Come on, that's definitely about you when God wants you to do it. Here's a question for you today as we come to the close. How are you making it about you? Which one of these things I've mentioned do you go Is it fear that's holding you back? Is it you can't be bothered? Is it making excuses? Is it too hard? Is it my time? What is it for you? Where you're saying my agenda is more important than your agenda when you're making it about yourself. You know, John the Baptist's message was one of repentance. Elijah's message was one of repentance. Recognize your error. You work it out. You say, God, I'm going I'm to change that. And I choose to live your way. It might mean sharing your faith. It might mean saying no to some sort of sin. It might mean choosing to forgive. It might mean having a hard conversation. It might mean stepping out into the gifting that God has given you. Let's take some time and repent right now. So I'm going to ask the band to sing. My beautiful wife is going to be singing. And I encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes and say, God, how am I making it about me? Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And as he speaks, confess it to sin. Say, God, that's wrong. I'm sorry. But that's the first step in repentance. The second step is to say, God, I'm going to choose to live your way. I'm going to choose to step out. I'm not going to allow fear to hold me back. I'm going to use my time for your time. I'm going to give. That's repentance. So take some time now. Those online, do it as well. Pray. Take 30 seconds. Go for it. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.